Hello and welcome to the Lost Outback Podcast, episode 16. I'm Kevin. Yes, and my name is John. And we're your two outsiders on the inside, two non-Australians living in Australia. Yes, telling you all about it. Now, Kevin and I um, have been playing a little bit of a trick with you over the uh, last few weeks. We've actually been away and uh, we've been magically uh, putting up podcasts that we recorded in advance. But yeah. we're, we're live again. Yes, yes. So that's why we haven't really been kind of like, uh, I suppose, responding to your feedback and we haven't really been talking about uh, a lot of Australian things because we've been away. So uh, this week we want to tell you where we've been and we want to kind of, I suppose, relate that to kind of our experiences in Australia. Great. So, Kevin, wh- where the hell have you been? I went to, uh, where the bloody hell have I been? Yes, uh, where the bloody <laughs> hell have you been, Kevin? I've been uh, in Canada and the US, uh, touring North America, showing my girlfriend Jess around the old stomping ground. How about you, John? Well, I went to uh, two places, Kevin. I went to India. Mm, okay, I went very to, good. To, I went to Mumbai in India. And I also went uh, to Uluru. But I, I don't know if I want to talk about Uluru today, Kevin, because I think I, I would like to actually make a bit of an episode about Uluru. All right. Well, we, we've been outside of Australia. And yeah, yeah. Let's talk about outside of Australia. It's, it's, it's given us new perspective, reminded us of the things that are different. And, you know, especially my time in the U.S., because I haven't spent that much time there before. Um, so, I know can, can, can we go back a bit? So, Kevin, right, you, you're... You were brought up in Canada. I'm Canadian. Yeah, So, but you haven't spent a lot of time in the actual U.S. No, no. I, I thought you guys would just be like jumping over the border every five minutes. Well, you go to Disney World and every once in a while you'll cross the border to buy a cheap pair of jeans. But, um, you know, otherwise I've spent most of my time in, in uh, Canada. Wow. And so, yeah, you know, I spent some time in, in, in the U.S. And the biggest thing I've noticed... yeah. Uh, you know how Melbourne is obsessed with coffee. Yes, we've yes. talked about it before. The the city Australia and how they 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 love their uh, gourmet Italian. Yeah, God bless the Italians who arrived in the fifties and showed Australians how to make or Melbournians how to make coffee. Right. So when you go and order a coffee at a coffee shop, what do you order? I order. Uh, everybody has a particular version. Yeah. I order a strong cappuccino. Strong cap. Yep. Strong cap. Okay. So. You know, the, you go to a coffee shop in, in Melbourne and your options are, you know, cappuccino, latte, mm-hmm. flat white, yep. which is, you know, uh, short, a la- is that a latte? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a latte with, really doesn't have uh, any froth. froth. Yeah, yeah, it's really flat. flat. White. Um, and uh, a short black. Short black, yeah, long, is long black. Long black, which are just strong black coffee. And there's a, a kitty chino as well that they kind of do now, which is basically just all milk froth, froth. No. Uh, yeah, but no. anyway, you look at it, you know what you're getting. Yep. You order a cappuccino, you're getting a cappuccino. Well, while I was in Portland, Oregon, I went to a coffee shop and, um, you know, they had all sorts of different types of coffee drinks, coffee-themed drinks. But I felt like just, you know, I just wanted an espresso coffee. And so I look in the espresso drinks section of their menu, which is the closest thing I could find. And the three things on their menu were a mind sweeper. Right. <laughs> a black tiger mocha. Okay. Which must have been chocolatey, but it'll claw your face off because it's so strong. Or a slamma hammer TM. TM, so it's, it's, it's <laughs> trademark. trademark. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was my three options. Which one would you have ordered, John? <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. Minesweeper or something like that. Like, it gives you this kind of image that you drink it and like, it's got so much caffeine in it, your brain just goes... <laughs> <laughs> Well, geez, yeah. So I, you know, I was standing there in front of the coffee shop, and I was like, "That this is what it is to be in the United States. Everything yeah. has a 
as a spin, a, a yeah. spin, yeah, yeah a clever. Well, because like I, I went to um, Seattle, um, oh, about maybe five years ago, right? And I went into Starbucks, as you will, you know. I, I even saw Starbucks headquarters, which was quite amazing. Mm. In fact, Seattle's amazing. You've got Amazon.com, you've got Boeing, you've got Microsoft, and you've got Starbucks. Mm. And they're all just kind of like omnipresent. Right. But um, I remember like going into this Starbucks, and it was my first time I'd ever been into Starbucks. And I'm used to Melbourne, where you walk in and say, I'll have a strong cappuccino, thanks. And I had this kind of this kind of really hyped up, excited sixteen-year-old, you know, in the Starbucks uniform, saying, you know, you know, hello, sir, and really kind of happy. And I says, oh, look, can I have a strong cappuccino? And she's like, you know, so you want a double shot in your cappuccino? So, yeah, do you want a grande? Uh, venti. Yeah. Always go with a venti. And she's just like giving me all these different sizes. So I. St- I, I, I started turning into like an, kind of like an Irish old man and just saying, look, I just want a coffee, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and just, just yelling at her. No, no, you, you, you young lady, you know, because I, 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 like, what have I become? Yeah, but like, <laughs> I honestly like, you know, I, I was, you know, kind of like my mid twenties. OK, yeah. and I'm, I'm sounding like a cranky old yeah, man you, because you couldn't I, deal. I, I couldn't deal with the, the up talk and the spin and. Oh, Jesus, just give me a bloody coffee that's good, and, you know, mm-hmm. honestly. Anyway. How does that compare to your time in Mumbai? Oh, well, Mumbai is, is mad, right? It, it's, it's, it's just mad. Um, Mumbai used to be called Bombay, and now it's called Mumbai. Yeah. And um, it, it is, it's a city, I think it has a population of about, official population of 11 million, but then you hear, you know, that's, if you... The uncounted population it swells up to something like seventeen to twenty million. Jeez, that's it, it, huge! It, oh, Melbourne, for the record, because I've been asked this recently and I was stumped. So now I know Melbourne, Greater Melbourne is about three point five million people. Yes, yes, which is um, like actually slightly smaller than the population of Ireland. Wow, isn't that incredible? Yeah, there's actually more Irish outside of Ireland than there are inside. Yeah. But anyway, that's another story. But yeah, so you, you fly over Mumbai, right, and um, all of the, the, it's it's kind of one very very big slum, right? Mm. And you see these all of these kind of jerry rigged houses with kind of blue tarpaulins on top of them and corrugated iron, like a yellow pall of smog over the whole. Yeah, thing. and and I was there during uh, monsoon, so it was constantly raining. Oh, okay. And, so no smog then? Uh, well, no, there was there was smog. You oh. could definitely see it, but I think it was probably a bit clearer because it was the yeah, rain was sure. kind of scrubbing the sky. But it's it's full on. You get down there, and there's like people in your face, and there's 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 no road rules um, that I could work out. You you'd be in a um, a taxi, and you'd be driving along, and you'd have kind of like two lanes, okay, um, you know, one going one way, one going the other way, and you'd start off with kind of cars saying, well, I know there's one lane there, but surely you can fit three cars down that lane. <laughs> and then, so you would, you see, you'd have these cars, literally the, the best word to describe is jockeying for position on the road. But then you'd also get this situation where somebody would go and say, well, you see that other lane there? I know technically there's traffic coming the other way. All right. But that traffic's not going to get no here. No one's using it right now. It's not going to get here for, for at least another five seconds. <laughs> So you, you'd have cars swinging out onto the opposing lane and, yeah. and like not overtaking, like literally just pulling out there for a bit. And at the last possible moment, as a big truck was coming, you know, the other way, it would swing back into to the lane. Wow. So it was this very kind of organic kind of flowing but traffic. It, somehow it works. 
Yeah, like I, I suspect that a lot of people actually get killed to be frank. Oh, and, okay. But it it does work, and well, sometimes it grinds to an absolute screaming halt, which yep. is pretty crazy. So it's like Mumbai is just mad. And as I said, I was there during the monsoon, and um, um, one day that I was there, the worst day that I was there, had two hundred millimeters of rain. I've never seen anything like it. But what struck me even more was that last year in 2005, uh, July 26, 2005, they had, guess how much rain, Kevin? A meter. A meter. Really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, it was the biggest downpour. I don't know if it was on record or what, but it was, the, it was this humongous downpour of, in 24 hours, one meter's worth of rain. Whoa. So everybody was, was basically terrified that there was going to be another downpour like this. Yeah. So you, you, and they kind of see you kind of as coming from the West and they think, right, well, this guy is pretty wet behind the ears. He doesn't really know what's going on. So constantly people were warning us, you know, oh, look, um, it's forecast for big rain today. Be really, really careful. Mm. You know, you don't get trapped out there. Because when they got the one meter of rain last year, people couldn't go home from their offices. People were stuck in train stations. Unless you're a strong swimmer. I don't even think you could have survived. <laughs> so <laughs> With the it, cars floating past. Yeah. So for me, that was like the, the biggest kind of uh, shock that this city gets so much rain, but it has to kind of function and survive wow. through it. Um, the other exciting thing that happened to me, Kevin, is I got onto Indian television. Really? <laughs> so I'm down kind of in downtown Mumbai, and I'm there taking photographs like a kind of horrible tourist. Yeah. And this uh, TV crew is there doing the weather report, oddly enough. Yeah. And there's this female presenter. Um, okay. she, she spots me and she goes and says, hey, come over here and um, would you like to be on our show? And I thought, oh, yeah, of course I am. I'm a media slut. <laughs> and so, she, you know, she kind Did of... Did you plug the podcast? No, I didn't. I damn wasn't you, thinking damn you, enough, but I had my largest audience ever. I, yeah. I, you know, um, Mumbai telly, I reckon, you know, there would have been at least five people watching this show. And yeah, she, she basically told me what to say. <laughs> she said, because like what, what happens in the monsoon, um, and this is really actually quite an interesting thing. Um, if, if there's a bit of rain kind of like in Melbourne, um, uh, you know, Melbournians will go, oh, a bit of rain and they'll, you know, run for shelter and they'll cover, you mm. know. Um, and like coming from Ireland, you are, the Irish have a little bit more kind of tolerance for the rain and they'll go, oh, well, it's a bit of rain, you know, plod, plod through it. Whereas the people of Mumbai in monsoon, they full on celebrate the rain and they get out and it's like, you know, dancing in the streets, you yeah. know, and they will try and get themselves wet when there's a bit of a downpour. And they try to get up next to the, the, the harbour, the waterside, and when there's a high tide and the, the water splashes, they try to get wet with the water. And this is what this woman was filming. So she was, she was talking to me about kind of, have you gone out and got wet today and embraced? So I was there saying, oh, yeah, it's been really great. Oh, it's so much fun hanging out in Mumbai and getting wet. Was, she told me what to say, but anyway. <laughs> Did she slip you 50 afterwards? No, 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 no. It was just good enough being on You telly. are a media slut. I, I know I am. I'm there lying to You're you. You're worse know. than a media slut. You did it for nothing. I know. I'm, so I'm, uh, what does that make me? <laughs> sad. But anyway, look, um, so that was pretty fun going to Mumbai. Yeah. And it was really, really different to, well, to Australia. I may have made it on uh, U.S. television, in fact, um, when uh, when I was on my way back to Australia, our very last stop was at Los Angeles Airport, and um, our flight into Los Angeles was like an hour and a half late. So we were um, 
running for our flight to Australia to make it by the skin of our teeth. So I, I don't know how many of our listeners or if you, John, have ever been to Los Angeles Airport, but it's this um, very long line of terminals and there's like eight terminals all in a row and we arrived at terminal two and our flight out was leaving from uh terminal eight or something to that effect so we had to we had to we could either catch the bus which would sit in traffic for half an hour to get us around to the other side or we would run down the sidewalk that uh, pass in front of all these terminals and that's what we ended up doing and I swear it was like being in a video game. You know, the first few terminals were pretty easy. We were learning the ropes. And then the obstacles started coming. We had um, we were looking for the Qantas um, check-in counters. And we're, we're running and we arrive at uh, Terminal 4. And there's a sign that says, Qantas check-in this way. And we're like, oh, we've made it. We're finally there. That wasn't so bad. And we get there and there's a sign right in front that says, if this is the check-in for these three flight numbers only. Everyone else keep going and so it was the false ending and then you we go back out on the sidewalk and we're running along and we're we're one terminal away and there's a news crew and they're camped out across the sidewalk like the the news truck is pulled over next to the sidewalk and they've deployed their array of lights and cameras and and microphone wires and everything so that they're completely across the sidewalk and no one can go and we're, we're like running dead bolt down the sidewalk and we're confronted by this and it's the final obstacle if we're in the video game it's the final boss <laughs> and we, we run up and this guy with a clipboard and a, and a hat and some earphones you know sort of stands and goes no sorry you can't go in we're we're recording yeah. you're gonna have to go around and we're looking and they're they covered the whole sidewalk there's no going around and um he points us out into the street. He's like, you're going to have to go out into the street around the truck. And, you know, there's traffic there. There's, like, cars zipping past uh, people on, on their... hurrying to get to their own flights. And I'm like, no way! And I turn back, and the guy's like, yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go around. And I just say, no way! And I barge right through, and, you know, I... I, we were in such a hurry, I didn't really take in what they were reporting on or anything like that, but I... I on my left, I saw some woman with well-shaped hair and a microphone. And on my right, there was a really bright light and a camera. And I walked right between them. So somewhere on CNN or something, there was a woman talking about a bomb scare at Los Angeles Airport or something like that. And you'll see me go past and go, You bastard! You kept us from our flight! Whoosh! Yeah, whoosh. Yeah. So if anyone has a copy of the tape, I'd love to see but it. You see, see, Kevin, you've got much greater tolerance than I do because... I would have actually kind of stood there in the background yeah. and just like smiled, you know, gormlessly. Oh, here's my like, chance. <laughs> I'll be discovered, you know, <laughs> and I would have like missed my flight. Yeah, you know? well. So like, you know, at least you kind of had the, I suppose, the, the wherewithal and the, you know, the strength of character to push through. We had to keep moving. And yeah, yeah. that reminds me, actually, another big difference I noticed in the United States is the type of news you get. Um, you turn on the TV and you got two choices for news. You've either got CNN, which is talking about threats to America and, and uh, you know, uh, unsolved murders 24 hours a day. So it's one long, unbroken newscast. And to keep things interesting, they have to cover the most terrifying and 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 appalling things that go on in the united states and sometimes the world 
so yeah, you get a really terrible view of what the world is like if you're watching CNN all the time. They don't cover cats stuck up trees or things like that. And then the other end of the spectrum is the uh, evening report, which is um, you know so uh, local, the evening local news that you know unless unless you live in that little community that you happen to be watching the television, there's nothing in there for you, nothing of interest. They'll they'll occasionally talk of things that are going on outside, but you know it's uh, really difficult to sit down and get. Um, you know, in one half hour, a broad view of what's going on in the world. They just don't have that kind of new newscast in the U.S. It's uh, doom and gloom and war on terror or, um, you know, what's gone on in the backyard today. When I was in India, they, they have actually their own version of CNN. So um, this is actually the really cool thing about India. It really is like one of the most foreign cultures I've ever been exposed to, but they speak so much English, it's really easy to get into it, Mm. okay? So, like, I've been to, uh, like, I've spent quite a bit of time in in Italy once, and I don't speak Italian, so it was kind of hard to kind of break into, I suppose, the national culture. I could see a lot of the local culture. Whereas with India, because English is so widespread there, you can actually watch the nightly news, and you're learning all about English, uh, so you're learning all about Indian politics through English. Mm. And the newspapers as well, too, um, are, are brilliant. Like, they're some of the best journalism I've ever read. And, mm. and I'm not kind of, um, um, I, I don't say that lightly. So it's really interesting in India to, to kind of see the culture through kind of the news services. Mm. But yes, they do have CNN over there. They have an Indian version of CNN. Wow. And it's exactly the same formula. Interesting. Yeah. One thing I want to tell you about India, though, that really did my head in, right? The Indians, as I say, a lot of them speak English, so you can have a conversation with them and you can ask them directions and they'll tell you in English. Very, very nice of them. Thank you very much. But one thing that they do that really, really does your head in, all right, in the Western world that I'm from, when you want to say yes without speaking, you nod your head. Yeah. When you want to say no, you, you shake, shake your, your head. head okay. Yeah. yeah. In India, they do a lot of that. But they also do this other thing, and I do not know what it means. They, you know, the infinity symbol. Yeah. Right. Um, the kind of the so eight, eight on the side. On side. Yeah. They do that with their <laughs> head, and you see, so you're asking them a simple question. Excuse me. Um, can I get a taxi from here? And they will do that. And <laughs> with their head. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not really kind of. You just imagine somebody kind of like shaking and nodding their head at exactly the same time. And you're looking at them and you're just giving them the, probably the, the, the rudest look because the, you, you're just confused. You think this body language is not connecting up. And it really threw me. I, I, <laughs> I, I, and like they kept on doing it to me. Yeah, I've seen, you know, it's the kind of thing you see in really offensive, stereotypical cartoons of Indian people. But they They're do doing it. that all the time. They do do they it. They actually do it. Yeah, I honestly do not know whether it means yes or no, but they just do this figure of eight thing and it does your head in does it mean like i don't i don't know i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. but and, you but didn't they, ask they do it with such gusto and it's really kind of positive wow i think, think i just hurt my neck trying yeah. to do it <laughs> so look i'm just going to appeal to the the larger um global community listening to the podcast if what anybody can mean? explain what this weird figure of eight shaky naughty thing means tell me because i'd love to know <laughs> the biggest difference in the u.s that i noticed from australia is customer service Man, you go into a place and they are taking care of you like 
your family. Like you're an, uh, a house guest. You're royalty. You could be in there buying a $10 pair of jeans on sale. And man, they are, they are doing everything to please you. Did you find everything you were looking for today? All that sort of, oh, wow. It's, yeah, those Velcro straps are great, aren't yeah. they? Oh, man, you could, yeah. In, I'm talking about grocery stores, people who are obviously making minimum wage. Yeah. Yet they they are giving you the the best uh, customer now, is, service is, is, experience. Is that more so than what you've noticed in Canada? Um, yeah, absolutely, big time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can get surly service in Australia and in Canada, but in the U.S., man, it's like oh, it's like your your grandmother taking care yeah, of you everywhere like, you go. Because like that's what I kind of hate whenever I've been to America. The way that you go to a restaurant. And they will keep on trying to upsell your food. And it's just like, bloody hell, I, 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 you know, I just want a soup. You know, that's all I want. Sure. Soup. Yeah. And like, they just try and sell you more and more stuff. <laughs> and it's like, it really is. The guy is this sales rep, you know, because he's, he's trying to get a cut of the tip. This is where? In America. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, when, like they, they try to sell you more food than yeah. you want. And yeah. it's just like, no, I just want a soup, thanks. I want a bowl of chips, thanks. Mm. That's all I want, you know? Well, that's, that's true, though. I don't know about the U.S. I can't speak to that. But in Canada, uh, tips, tips are really important. You, you tip in Canada because what they do is they tax waiters and waitresses and other people in customer service. They tax you on your tips. And because... There's no way of saying how much someone gets in tips. The government has set a fixed percentage, which is considered a normal tip. I'm I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'm going to say 6%, but it could be more. The government assumes that you are getting tipped 6% of everything that you sell and charges you income tax on that 6%. So if you don't have, you know, don't have the gusto that it takes to earn consistently at least that much tip, you are, you know, Pena- having to pay. Yeah, you're, you're being penalized. penalized. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. So, yeah, in, in Canada, if you don't tip, there, there has to be a really good reason. What did you miss the most about Australia when you were over in North America? Well, I think I miss the easygoing atmosphere. I'll, uh, you know, you get it in Canada and you get it in Australia. And that's why I call both of those places home. But in the United States, there's just um, you know a level of uh, rushing and 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 hustle and bustle about life that um, that I just could not get used to. I'll tell you, when we arrived in Canada, the um, airport lost our bags. the The baggage system broke down, and we were left standing there waiting for our bags. And when they finally came through, there was an announcement over the PA, and it said. We've got the bag system fixed. Here come your bags, your tax dollars at work. <laughs> and, you know, just that even from someone who works in baggage at an airport who, uh, you know, would have seen things breaking down every day and they they can take the time to laugh about their lot in life. But no, look, it's, it's good to be back home, ladies and gentlemen. And yep. In coming weeks, we'll be coming back with old favorites like uh, Talkenstrine. That's yes. right. I'm going to give it another go. Huge By popular response. demand. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, you know, some old Australian bush ballads, I'm sure. Learn yep. some ways to survive in the outback and hear about John's tales of Uluru, the yes. big rock yes. at the center I, of Australia. I do want to do an Uluru episode. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Lost Outback Podcast. Please email us your comments or audio comments at podcast at lostoutback.com. 
Leave us your comments on our blog at uh, lostoutback.com. And uh, once again, thanks for listening. I'm Kevin. Yes, and I'm John. And this is Lost Out Back. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.